multi-generational favor coming upon you. Hallelujah. And God's blessing will put you in places beyond your education. Open up doors beyond your training. That God will drop you in the middle of the biggest well, days of your life. Lord and that God will give this generation an abiding presence. Yes, something God. that you don't have to stir up. Something that you don't have to crank up. Something that doesn't have to be worked up. But may God set up his tabernacle among his people and may the presence of God be with you may God bless you and strengthen this day and this generation in the name of Jesus
not only what to speak today, but the things that are going on in the world. And it seems like uh, more and more, the message of the system of the world is overshadowing the message of the gospel of grace, of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It seems as if it is the louder portion of what is being pushed out into the fabric of society. And I was talking to God in reference to all the things that I've seen and all the things that I've heard. And my wife and I were talking even on the way in this morning, uh, all these different uh, talk shows and round tables where everyone has some opinion um, about how things should be. And the one thing that seems to tie all of these things together, even when the ideas don't necessarily, necessarily align with one another, is that God has been lessened and man has become God. Every idea, it seems, every theology, every uh, potential for change is born around man's limited understanding of all that is, rather than being founded upon the infinite wisdom and knowledge of God. Man is, in essence, replacing God with himself. Man has, in a sense, followed suit after Lucifer, who was created with all beauty, with all honor, full of the ability to express God's glory, and it was too much for him to handle, and he wanted to be God, he wanted to sit on the throne of God, he wanted to overthrow God, and when I look at Humanity, I see this very same thing playing out in us. And when I say us, I say humanity. We have become so distracted by everything that is going on in the world that it's almost impossible for many to really focus solely on what God's word has said. Well, and even when you engage people with differing opinions in reference to the word of God, they won't give you the opportunity to express why you believe the way you believe. They want you to just simply agree with them and they will hear no other ideology but their own. Well, most of us are sports fans in here. Amen. One of the best scoring opportunities, regardless of what sport it is, soccer, baseball, uh, hockey, football, you know, whatever your you know, particular sport might be, is this simple word distraction. Yeah. If you want to be successful in your attempt to score, you have to cause 
cause those that stand against you to believe you are going one way so they can move their defense in that direction while you yet go another. And as the defense is moved, what happens? Exposure to the very thing that's trying to be defended. Amen. So you look at basketball, it's the defense's uh, responsibility to prevent the uh, offensive team, the team with the, with the offensive possession to come down the court and to score a basket. So they set up varying types of defenses to meet what it is the offense is showing them. And oftentimes, the offense will show one thing while actually have planned something else. Amen. And you'll see people kind of running around in circles. It almost looks like, and you're wondering why they're doing all this running around, and the ball is being passed to and fro, to and fro, until all of a sudden, because the defense became distracted by the movement, you find somebody misses their assignment and there's an exposed individual over in the corner and nobody saw and they get the ball and shoot and score the goal. Same thing in football. Defensive line is uh, designed specifically to keep the offensive line from creating holes where the offensive play can move forward through. Whether it's a passing lane, if the quarterback can't see, it becomes difficult for the quarterback to make the pass because they cannot see their receivers. So it's the defensive line's job to flood all of the openings. And oftentimes you'll find that, especially with a mobile quarterback, or a very agile running back, the plays will be designed to where everything is shifting one way so that the defense can shift with it, which then exposes what's referred to as the weak side. And the offensive play is actually designed to appear as if it's going to the strong side where everything is set up. And then they reverse it and come around and actually go the other way where the exposure has occurred. And that exposure occurred because all the defenders were distracted by the movement. Why do you think that um, in many football plays there's a lot of pre-snap movement? And so the defense, and if you ever really watch football, you'll find, you'll see that the linebackers will be calling out different plays depending on what the offensive players may be doing. You'll see them set up one way, and then somebody on the offense will go into motion, and the defender will stand up and, you know, point out the motion to ensure that somebody who is responsible for that assignment can be in the right place. And then they'll throw another movement, another motion in play, and then it becomes starts to become confusing until ultimately somebody is open. 
And that's how these plays are developed, and that's how they get down the field, and that's how they score. They use the tactic of distraction. If you're looking at humanity today, you'll find that many of us are distracted. We're distracted by the things that are going on in life, and because of what we know is occurring in life, many of us are putting all of our energy and resource into tackling the injustice that we see in life, while the whole time the enemy has said that was never really my goal. My goal was to get you so focused on that that you miss all things I'm loosing in the atmosphere. Because the enemy knows that if you recognize what he's doing, he cannot accomplish what he set out to accomplish. Because the Bible can't lie. And the Bible says that every weapon that is formed against you cannot prosper. Amen. So the only way for the enemy to be successful is to get you out of your assignment. The only way to get you out of your assignment is to distract you and to cause you to believe in yourself that your assignment is something else. And he uses the tool of distraction. I'll say something that some people may not uh, understand, some people may get frustrated by, but I'm going to say it anyway. Amen. This world does not need another Martin Luther King. This world does not need another Malcolm X. This world needs Jesus. Amen. And what I've seen even in our own local society is many of those who would be referred to as church leaders or those to whom God has called to uh, speak his word into the life of humanity have shifted in their assignment from that which God called them to do to becoming some political power or some uh, sociological or um, uh, society-connected uh, uh, leader that's dealing and speaking only with whatever the apparent injustice may be in the moment. Uh-huh. As a matter of fact, the other day I watched something on television where a lot of the religious leaders came to the event talking about, uh, and this is not to deny that there is injustice, but they came to the event talking about the injustice that they feel is in existence, voicing their own opinion, motivated by their own emotional uh, tie into what's happening in the world. And they came dressed up in their religious Garb and had their collars on and their shirts to indicate their religious connection uh, to some faith. When I 
get dressed, I feel, and maybe this is just me, but I feel that whatever I am wearing, my actions behind it should be connected to what it represents. Amen. So if I'm wearing my collar, if I'm standing as God's ambassador, as God's messenger in the earth, then the message that should come forth out of me should only be that which is founded upon God's word. Man has kind of used the platform that he or she has been given to produce an atmosphere that may not be directly connected to what it is they represent and simply because they have been distracted from their assignment. Our minds have become so cluttered by worldly influence that our minds have uh, become infected with what I like to call uh, cells of cancer. And we understand what the power of cancer is. Cancer is a, uh, it's an infection in the body whose sole purpose is to destroy what it attaches itself to. And I find that uh, our minds, the influence in our minds, uh, are becoming infected with a cancer cell that is ripping apart the very fabric of our cognitive ascension into the knowledge of God and being replaced by an ascension into the knowledge of man. Amen. We've said that God's infinite wisdom and God's infinite knowledge is not enough. We somehow know more. Uh, some of you may be, uh, you know, thinking to yourself, "Where's he going today? What, what is it that he's talking about?" Well, let me give you this definition that's so vitally important to our ability to stay in our assignment. Uh, the world uses the phrase "stay in your lane." Stay in your lane. You're going to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, stay in your God lane. Stay in your God lane. The problem is, is that too many of us are slipping into our man lane uh -oh, uh -oh. Come on, rather Bishop. than remaining in our God lane. Come on, Bishop. Uh, the difference between the lanes is the power that is propelling you forward. Uh, when you're in the man lane, you're being propelled by that which is of man. And when you're in the God lane, you're being propelled by that which is of God. And that which is of God is everlasting. It is eternal. And that which is of man is temporal and it is failing. It is that which seeks power. And in the God lane, you have all power. Stay in your God lane and stop being distracted by what you see. Cognition is the mental action or the process of acquiring knowledge and then developing understanding through thought, experience, and sense. Amen. 
you that you gain cognition, the mental action. It is the very process of your mind by which you acquire that is taken from that which you are influenced. Knowledge or information, and it is the coming together of that information, it is the dissecting of that information, it is the analysis of that information that has come into your mind, and it is uh, studied through your understanding based upon thought, experience, and senses. Amen. Cognitive processes use existing knowledge and then generate from that which is existing greater or new knowledge. Yeah. So that our understanding of physical and spiritual is developed by the knowledge that we have attained and the knowledge that we are continuously attaining. Amen. So all new information is going to have an effect on old standards and old beliefs. Uh, the problem that I find is that when new information, such as things are revealed to us in the word of God, you could say that the revelation of that which God has declared is new information to you. When it does not align with the old belief, we now too often reject what God has said only to accept that which aligns with faulty thinking Amen. or faulty broken cognition. Amen. Because we want the information to support what is already there. When God is trying to get us to a place where the new information replaces outdated information. Amen. If you know anything about computer systems, you find that when computer systems, programs, and applications are made, they are, they are constantly worked on and you'll get updates to them. You'll get updates and updates and updates and then... The update is enough. Well. And they have to replace the old system with the new system. Amen. Many of us are very aware of uh, Microsoft and, and its operating system. So not too many years ago, Windows 95 was that was that was the thing. And then they, they gave you updates and updates because they saw where there were some vulnerabilities and problems until they realized we need something new. So they, they didn't continue to build on 95. They went to Windows XP. And then went from Windows XP to Windows Millennium. And then they went from Windows Millennium to Windows 7. Then they went to Windows 8. Then they went to Windows 8.1, 8.2, to where they are now at Windows 10. And before long, you're going to find that there's going to be a Windows something else. Because as new information comes in, as 
visualize and understand the release of this new information that is coming to you, you realize it can no longer be supported by an old system. When we look at the church today, we can see the church is under a worldly information blitz. Amen. It almost seems that when you go to church now, they talk less about God, less about Jesus, and more about the problems in our society. Or they negate the problems in our society, and they try to make you feel good by promising you things that are simply not truly scriptural. Amen. The enemy of our faith has begun to throw everything at us. In times past, it was just a few things you get hit with, but it seems like now your enemy's got 400 arms, 400 punches, and they're coming in all at the same time, and it's becoming difficult for us to move through the noise. My wife and I are different in the sense that she likes quiet. And she likes certain types of sound. There are certain types of sounds like running water that causes her to feel comfortable or give her that sense of peace. In my mind, my mind, I, I think of my mind in the sense of Superman's hearing where uh, if you ever really watch Superman, you'll find that when he first began to develop his ability to have super hearing where he could hear everything that was going on, it was uh, overwhelming for him. And what he would do is he would try to drown out the noise by focusing on just one sound. And in a sense, I do the same thing at times, like even on the ride here this morning, one of my favorite songs came on and my mind is always going and there's all this noise in my mind and I'm trying to push myself to quiet the clutter that's in my brain by overwhelming it with something that is new. Well. Something else that I can focus on. But the enemy of our faith is throwing everything at us with the sole desire to overwhelm us so that we can't sort through everything we're being exposed to. And because you cannot properly analyze what's going on, you'll find that some things are starting to become acceptable even in the church that were not acceptable when we weren't thinking about so many different things. Well, all right, all right. I was looking or I was listening to uh, something uh, on my phone the other day and this guy came and there was a lot of stuff going on at the time and this guy came through on the phone and he was talking about some contradiction uh, related to Melchizedek and he was talking about who Melchizedek was and he had said something um, that Jesus was a lesser God than Yahweh and Yahweh was a lesser God than Elohim and Elohim was a lesser God than El Elyon 
And as I was sitting there listening to it, I was just kind of listening. And you know how you, you, you just hear something and in the back of your head, you go, that doesn't sound right. Right, right. Like, wait, hold on. Let, let, me, let, me, let me rewind that. And, 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 and it, it caught me. It, 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 it like grabbed my thought process. And, and my, my mind began to try to dissect that. I'm trying to, to, to understand what it is saying. Is he trying to say something deep or uh, is he just misguided? And, and I began to just take a look further and I listened. I rewound it and I listened to it again. And then I started talking to my phone as if my phone was a person. And I started debating with my phone what the word of God truly declares. And in that moment, God told me, this is the problem. So many things are being said and pushed. And my children are missing it because there's so much out there. And because they get in and it sows the seed they become corrupt in their thinking about what is true about me and then comes the birth of new truth. Well, Something that is truly not me. Amen. Our minds are being bombarded with that which negates our experience and our knowledge of God and there's a purpose be behind what the enemy is doing. The enemy wants to reframe God in a manner which reflects man rather than that which is true. Amen. You see, man was created to be the reflection of God. Now man wants God to be the reflection of man. Amen. The word of the Lord explicitly warns against this strategy of the enemy Romans 12 and 2 and be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God I've been talking over the last months in relationship to our identity uh, in Christ understanding who we are and how we engage life our engagement in life should be funneled and focused solely through our experience as born again believers framed in the body of Christ filled with the life of Christ empowered by the love of Christ so that all we do reflects Christ But the world says you have a voice. You have a voice. Elder Marshall, you have a voice. Amen. Cynthia, you have a voice. Amy, you have a voice. LaRonda, you have a voice. Amen. Leah, you have a voice. Lisa, you have a voice. Nikki Trent, you have a voice. Janelle, you have a voice. Amen. Jaleesa, you have a voice. Paul, you got a voice. Most of us, we don't even know what we're 
We have no idea. Some of us are just babbling as if we were babies. You notice we have two beautiful uh, little babies learning to speak here in the house of God. And I'm sure if I was to ask Jalisa, uh, the language is unintelligible at times. And every once in a while they'll hear the word and you'll have an idea of what it is they want. But for the majority of the time that they're speaking, it sounds like Charlie Brown's teacher. And you wonder why Charlie Brown spent so much time in school? Because he couldn't understand his teacher. Because all his teacher said was, wah, 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 wah. And that's what, unfortunately, many of us sound like because we are so uh, desirous to say something without taking a moment to figure out what the something is that we need to say. So we just begin to open our mouth and we just begin to express something. And then we're a right now society. So I can't wait to say something. I got to say it before you say it. In case you say the same thing I wanted to say. And then you take credit for saying it. And I don't want you to have the credit. I need the credit because they came to me first. So I need to say it first. So I just open my mouth and say something before my brain has an idea to process what it is I'm getting ready to say. And then after I say it, my brain says, what did you say? What you said had impact in somebody's life, and they took it. Now, watch this not based upon your understanding because you lacked understanding of what you were saying. So, since you didn't have understanding of it, they created their own understanding of it, and then what you said has now become something in them that they birthed out of themselves that really has nothing to do with you and everything to do with them. Come on now, amen. Be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If we have a new identity, then the mind must also become new. This word conformed comes from a Greek word that is derived from a root word schema and that word has the connotation of fashioning the outward form of or the appearance of something so the enemy of our faith has worked long and hard throughout the life of humanity itself to change the created image of humanity from one thing to another. Amen. The devil is Lucifer, and you, you know, I've told you this before, he was created to reflect the very glory of God. That was the purpose of his creation. He was the angelic being. He was the cherub that sat in the throne room of God, whose purpose was to bring music 
music uh, to God in worship and in praise and created in such that he could send out into creation God's very glory. And he becomes consumed by this ability to reflect the glory of God and because of the influence of sin, he started to desire the very thing that he was created to reflect for himself. He wanted the glory for himself. He didn't want to transfer it. He wanted to possess it. God then creates man in whose image? He creates man in his image. He creates man, both male and female, in the image of God. So why does he do this? Well, the purpose is to reflect the glory of God in all creation. So when you look at yourself, you should understand that in truth, you are the reflection of God's glory. Well, what is God's glory? God's glory is his brilliance. It is his aha. It is his wow factor. It is the unexplainable. It is the unimaginable. It is the implausible. You are the unimaginable. You are the splendor. You are the implausible. You are the aha. You are the wow factor of God. This is why God created you. He wanted to look into creation and be able to say in creation dwells wow. You ought to look at your neighbor and just look and tell him wow. Because that's what I see. I see wow standing there next to me. But he creates man to reflect the glory in all creation. Now, Lucifer had already rebelled prior to the creation of man and had already been evicted from heaven. And he becomes the devil frustrated with mankind because mankind now possesses the very ability for which not only did he once hold, but he also desired for himself. So every time he sees you, he sees the wow of God. Every time you wake up in the morning, the devil says, wow, just got up. Aha, uh -huh, just woke up. Implausible, just woke up. Undeniable, just woke up. And that's why he's frustrated with you. So the only way he can deal with you is to get you to see yourself as less than When we look into the churches today, what we will find in many is that it's very hard to determine who it is they're reflecting. Is their reflection God? Or is their reflection man? You see, the reason behind this lack of fluidity in the appearance of the church is solely based upon the onslaught against the church by the enemy of our faith, otherwise known as the devil through the systems of the world. And this 
worldly system and uh, the carnal nature of man, which craves the things not of God, but those things which align themselves with the philosophies of the system that is in place. This is why some preachers sound like they are preaching the system of the world rather than the system of God. You see, the system of the world is about me. The system of God is about him. And I, I find too many times in pulpits all people preach is about me. How I can be satisfied. What's in it for me. How I can overcome. How I can get what's for me. How I'm supposed to be the head and not the tail. How I'm supposed to be above and not beneath. How I'm supposed to possess all things because this is the promise of God to me. But the born again believer who has truly been converted in the thinking of their mind thinks less about themselves and more about God. It's not how can God bless me. It's how can I bless God. When I understand my identity and I realize that my identity is not me, but it is him, then my desire seeks less to satisfy me and more to satisfy him. So to get back to where we were created to be, God sends Jesus for the sole purpose to redeem mankind. It's in this that we can be restored to who we were created to be. Not in the life to come, but in the life right now. But there's this struggle for dominance in the mind of every believer. The understanding of what we are to reflect becomes vital in our process of renewal. New mindsets have to be created so that we can, as Yoda said, unlearn what we have learned. Amen. You see, new mindsets replace old mindsets. God mindsets replace carnal mindsets. You know, the mindset that was in the fabric of our thinking that helps us to process life. When we begin to see God for who he is, we can become who we are supposed to be and therefore see us even as God sees us. Amen. Amen. See us even as God sees us. Amen. I'm constantly talking about uh, our identity. I'm constantly talking about uh, how our identity should be distinct from every other identity. Amen. Every time they come out with a new car, this frustrates my wife. What do the new cars look like? The same car from another manufacturing company. So you can't really tell until you get up on it and read the brand. Whether it's a Toyota or a Nissan, whether it's a Mercedes or a BMW. There was a time when Jaguar was 
very distinct. Yes. There was no mistaking a Jaguar for a, another vehicle. Right. But now, they all look the same. They all look the same. Amen. They all look the same. And you don't know until you examine the name that is on them. But for the believer, you should be identifiable. You should be distinct. You should not look like everybody else. You should look like Jesus. Amen. What does it mean to be a true believer? Well, a true believer does not rationalize. A true believer is not moved by internal or external emotional influences. Yes, yes. The motivating factor of a true believer's life is solely faith. So we've all received, the word declares, a measure of faith. I want you to get your imaginary measuring cup. Uh, I want you to take a look at that cup. I want you to realize that in that cup that's designed for measurement so that you can have the right amount of ingredient necessary to accomplish what you are intending to accomplish I want you to realize that in that measuring cup which connects to your identity, God has poured a measure of faith. He's given you, he's put in you the necessary element for you to be successful in your identity in him. Amen. But the strength of that measure of faith, the strength of our faith is not based upon us. The power behind our faith is the very thing for which we have faith in. Amen. So then my faith, that measure of faith I possess, that measure of faith God has given you is only as powerful as the object of that faith. Amen. It's not the amount of the faith that determines its power. Uh -huh. It is the object of that faith. Amen. And since my faith is in Jesus, then my faith is only as powerful as Jesus is. So if I want to know how powerful my faith is, then I've got to come to an understanding of how powerful Jesus is because Jesus is the object of my faith. It's not the amount of faith I have in Jesus. It's the fact that my faith is in Jesus that determines the level of power that I possess to accomplish. chapter and the 18th verse you'll find that it says this and Jesus came and spake unto them saying watch this all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth so if my faith is in Jesus 
16th of a cup. The object of that faith has all power. It doesn't matter what I have an eighth of all power. I still have all power. Amen. 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 So then I have new knowledge with which to educate my spiritual mind, not my human mind. Because my human mind, my carnal mind, will tell me that I only have enough power that which is contained in this physical skeletal structure. But I have to unlearn what I have learned in my carnal mind so that new knowledge can support, supplant, replace, destroy old and now no longer accurate information. Do you understand that information that is accurate today may not be accurate this evening? It doesn't even have to be a whole day. Something that is accurate in this moment, new information enacted upon it may disqualify the previous information that was correct. So I've learned things in my carnal mind that have to be supplanted with the knowledge I've learned in my spiritual mind because the things in my carnal mind are no longer accurate to the things as enacted upon by the new information I've received in my spiritual mind. If you look at life, you'll find that information changes constantly and thus I need to adapt to a forever changing environment. Every believer has to understand that if you desire to move from glory to glory, you cannot get to the next glory while holding on to the information that brought you to your current glory. We talk about wanting to go higher and higher in God. You cannot go higher in God while you're holding on to things that brought you to this level. Amen. You've got to adapt. In a changing environment, faith then becomes less a word and more of a lifestyle. Faith becomes the determinator of my rationale and the fire of my emotion. Faith then dictates my behavioral response to everything that life throws at me. It is simply who I am and where I stand and not just what I know or possess. Because it is not just a thing in my life, but it's a belief system of my life. I like to function then as an agent of faith, or rather an agent of the object of my faith, and see all life through the very thing that my faith is founded on. In short, seeing life through the lens of Christ. Please don't mistake my faith walk. It's just having a good attitude. Uh 
or being upbeat or just smiling when maybe I should be sad. You have to understand I'm not just being optimistic. I'm not just demonstrating hope. My faith is a living faith because the object of my faith is not dead, but is alive and lives forevermore. It has an attitude. My faith has an attitude. You look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, you might have an attitude, but my faith has a greater attitude. Amen. Amen. It has an attitude of its own. And if you attack it, my faith is going to defend itself. My, God. my faith is an armed faith. If you attack it, it's going to defend itself. You see, faith is something that lives and moves in the life of a Libra. Uh, Galatians 2 20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I live by the faith of the object of my faith. Every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds. 
then becomes vital to the life of a believer to understand then this faith because it is said that we are supposed to be a people of faith and because we are a people of faith we understand then that we're committed to progress understand i did not say people of faith acknowledge progress but i said they are committed to progress that means because faith is alive in me the very gift of god in me the indwelling uh, power and life of the son of god has been placed in me then i'm not just acknowledging that things need to change in me i am committed to changing things in me so that my identity reflects less of who i was in my human condition and begins to identify itself in the natural world by what i am attached to so every day i progress in my revelation of my knowledge of god and therefore i exemplify god in progression every day in my life The issue that we have is that anytime you progress, resistance is introduced to you. You see, progress introduces resistance into your movement. What does progress demand? It it demands that what I once knew, I can no longer know. It demands a change of thinking. It demands a change of tradition. It demands a change of systems. It demands a change of philosophies. It demands a change of your theology. It demands that you declutter your mind of the nonsense you have acquired in your human condition and remove it, replace it, supplant it with the very knowledge of God in your life. We all have a destiny for which God created and prepared us to fulfill. And whenever I decide I'm going to move forward in my destiny or forward toward my destiny, I will find that there is resistance in my journey. And this is what I call the process in movement. You see, the interesting thing about progress is that it at times can be incremental because it's incremental it appears as if it's moving very slowly and for many of us because it seems slow it feels like there's no progress or movement at all and this can be extremely frustrating especially
especially in a culture where waiting for anything is on no one's agenda. The real problem is, is that we are looking at progress and resistance through the wrong mindset. We are being affected by old nature and carnal knowledge, which needs to be renewed with spiritual knowledge after the mind of Christ. Have also in yourself the mind which was in Christ Jesus. You see, God has allowed me to see something about himself that has utterly blown my own mind and changed the way I see and deal with life itself. God is not affected by time, space, or matter. And if we look at time, space, and matter, in the natural mind, you'll find that they are what is referred to as a continuum in the scientific analysis. All three have to exist in the same instant. If there were matter, but no space, where would you put it? Uh, where would the matter be? If there were matter and space, but no time, then when would the matter be? Uh, you cannot have time, space, or matter independently. They have to come into existence simultaneously. There has to be a time. There has to be a matter. And there has to be a space. Uh, you might be wondering to yourself, where can I validate my hypothesis in the Word of God? Well, God makes it plain in His first ten words to mankind in the Bible. God says that in the beginning, <laughs> uh, there's your time. <laughs> uh, God created heaven, that's your space, and the earth, that's your matter. So we are able to see a reflection in creation of the creator. The creator is the existence of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. What we call the triunity of the Godhead. All creation seeks to reflect the creator, and thus we can see the trinity of trinities. Things that 
Colossians 2 and 9, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Uh -huh. So now, God sits, and I'll close with this, God sits outside of his creation. It's the wonderful thing about God. God sits outside of the very thing that he has created. He's not bound by his creation. Uh, what did he create? Well, God created time, he created space, and he created matter. And if God were limited by these things, then he would be, he would cease to be God. So we understand then that God is not limited in any way by the things that he has created. God then can be in your past, he can be in your present, and he can be in your future simultaneously because he is not limited by time but he is the creator of time itself. Uh, this then allows the sacrifice on the cross by Jesus to have an atoning and healing effect on sin by his blood and on health by his body, which was broken for us so that sins yet to be committed and sickness and disease yet to be experienced could be dealt with because God is not limited by your timeline. He stands in the entirety of your time, which allows him the ability to know the end from the beginning and be involved in your future things because they future to him. In God there is no future. There is no past. There's just now because he is now as declared in his name. I am. All things exist now in me. at the time I said I would stop let me stop being a Pentecostal preacher well, and just give you the one closing people of God you, you've got to understand who you are the reason that there is so much attacking your mind so many things for which you to focus on is because while you are focusing on all the Clutter, you cannot see the beauty of who you are. Amen. Amen. You cannot see the victory that God has already given you. Amen. You cannot enjoy the peace that God has promised mm. because your focus is on everything else that is the opposite of peace. Amen. Okay. As they say in the world, I can't with you anymore. Every once in a while, you ought to tell yourself, I can't with you anymore. I can't with you anymore. For too long, you forced me to see things that were simply not true. For too long, you forced me to believe stuff that's simply not true. For too long, I functioned and behaved like stuff that's not true. But I can't with you anymore. Because I am made new in Christ Jesus, who is the object.
a measure of faith for which I have been given. Amen. Satan, the Lord, rebuke you. Yes, Lord. In the life of everyone, under the sound of my voice, it is not Jesse that speaks, but it is Christ that speaks through me. I bind your work right now in the name of Jesus. And I command your forces to let loose everyone under the sound of my voice. I speak healing, I speak life, I speak peace, I speak deliverance, I speak the loosing of joy. And God said whatsoever I bind on earth is bound in heaven. And whatsoever I loose on earth is loosed in heaven. For it is not I that does it, but the creator himself that is doing the loosing and the binding. I bind you by the power of Christ. Amen. My God. That the glory of God might be revealed in and through me in the name of Jesus.